remember, my wife was with me on crutches. Uh, she's with me again this morning, still on crutches. Uh, different foot. Uh, she had surgery on, on her right foot. And uh, after recovering from that, repeated the same surgery on her left foot. And I'm glad to introduce my wife, Nita, sitting back there in the back. Uh, but I hope you'll greet her before you get out of here. A couple of things that I would uh, like to mention. For one thing, uh, I've already spoke to Callie, but praise the Lord for a young lady like that. Amen? Amen. 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 Tomorrow <clears throat> is Memorial Day, a day in which we honor, or at least we should honor, those who made the ultimate sacrifice, those who gave their life serving in the armed forces. There's a banner that recognizes both POWs and MIAs, prisoners of war and mission in action, and it says, all gave some, some gave all. I had an uncle that was killed fighting the Germans in France in World War II. And I want to ask you something. <clears throat> if you lost a loved one, aunt, uncle, brother, sister, father, dad, somebody in the military fighting in a war, any war, would you please stand for a minute? If you've lost a loved one of any kind. Well, praise God. Uh, I served the country in the United States Marine Corps. I uh, served from October of 1956 to March of 1961. So if you're here this morning and you served in the military, any branch, at any time, would you please stand? All right, Mike, others, anyone else? <clears throat> All right, remain standing, please, if you would. I want to thank you both for serving our country, for serving the United States. It's a great nation. And now I want to recognize those who are standing. And if you'll recognize them, stand with them. <clears throat> the banner we sang to a moment ago is precious to my heart. Uh, I wear a flag on Memorial Day and other holidays that recognize on my lapel. I wear it under my cross, which I wear at all times on my lapel. The banner has so many beautiful memories to me and I suppose to you. I'd like to recognize the flag as we present allegiance to the flag. Attention, pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Let's pray for a minute. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to live in a nation such as we do. We're grateful, Lord, that you had your hand on our nation 200 years ago when you founded this country. I pray, Lord, that we'll turn back to you, the God who was responsible for leading those pilgrims here to come and establish a country such as we have. Bless us again, Father. I know we seem to have turned our back on you. We've turned away. Uh, we're kind of disobedient like your chosen ones in Israel. But I pray, Father, as you've forgiven them and brought them back, that you'll do the same for America. Father, forgive us of our transgressions as a country. Bring us back into the fold. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for Jesus' sake. Amen and amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> uh, 
I appreciate you, Pastor Brother Bill. He's a great friend. I, I love him, the Lord, and I appreciate the opportunity. That's all right. Eight and under can go to children's church. Here we go. All them precious little ones making their way out. Amen. I said I, I love Brother Bill. Uh, he, he's just been a blessing to me. One of, the, one of the guys I made friends with immediately. I've only been in the association for the last uh, seven and a half years. Brother Bill is one of the very first people I made dear friends with and, and appreciated him giving the opportunity to come out here and share with you folks uh, while he's away. We want to pray for him today. He's having a good time with his family, having an opportunity to be with them again, and, and I know it's special to him. So keep him in your prayers, and he'll be back with you soon. Um, but before we get to our text this morning, I want to ask a couple of questions, okay? Uh, number one, um, are you a Christian? I, I mean, don't raise your hand, but in your, you answer in your heart these questions. Are you, in fact, a Christian? I mean, are you really, really, really saved? I mean, born again, spirit-filled, blood-washed, on your way to heaven when you die, and you know it. You don't think you're going to go to heaven when you die. You don't hope you're going to go to heaven when you die. You know that you're going to go to heaven when you die. And I pray that you can answer those questions and say, yes, that's true of me. But if it is true, if it is true, here's another question. How did you get that way? How did you come to the point that you could say, Yes to those questions. Was it because you uh, joined the church? Or maybe because you got baptized? Maybe because you, you've just led a good life all of your life. You've been a very moral, good person your whole life. And, and that's how you got that way. Well, if you answer yes to any of those questions, you're not saved. You're not saved. I would offer you this morning that there's really only one way to be saved. And none of the above got you that way. Now if you brought your copy of God's Word, I want you to turn with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want to begin to read with verse 18 and read through verse number 21. 1 Peter, first chapter, verse 18. Peter writes and says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation, that means your lifestyle, received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood, can I say that again? But with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him from the dead, and gave him glory that your faith and your hope might be in God. Folks, if you're here this morning and you know without a doubt that you are saved and you're truly saved and you're, when you end this life you're going to go to be with Jesus, you're saved by the blood of the Lamb. Look at it again. By the precious blood. You know, Baptists have often been criticized uh, because they're called a bloody religion. We preach about the blood a lot, at least some of us do. We sing about the blood a lot. What can wash away my sins? There is a fountain filled with blood. Oh no, what a terrible thing to sing about, blood. But we, but we do. 
At least we should. How, I don't know how long you've been with the convention, but I remember back in the, uh, in the 70s, I think it was, when we were going to the convention. And there was a liberal side to the Southern Baptist Convention. I know that's hard to believe, but there is. And they wanted to take the blood songs out of the hymnal. They want to sing about the blood anymore. And I thought, how in the world can you want to take away the one thing that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt has saved you? Now let us think about this. <clears throat> when it comes to the blood, listen, Billy Graham, by the way, is one of my heroes, and here's what Billy Graham said. Blood is mentioned 460 times in the Bible. 460 times in the Bible. 14 times in the New Testament, Jesus spoke of his own blood. Why? Because by shedding his blood, he accomplished the possibility of salvation. Thank you, Billy. D did you hear what he said? D did you grasp the truth? Why? Because by the shedding of his blood, he accomplished the possibility of our salvation. Now I look back at our text and I found out what could not save us. What could not save us? Well, corruptible things. Uh, my wife, I, I mentioned, had surgery. When we came home from the hospital, my daughter had been to the house. <clears throat> she had come in and had the balloons up there, get well soon, had some beautiful flowers sitting there on the, on the counter between the kitchen and the, where we sit in our little dining room, uh, living area. They were pretty, beautiful flowers. All had them little petals, different colored flowers. And so we enjoyed those flowers for a while and everyone, they began to wilt a little bit and I poured some water in that thing and brought some water up. About a week or so later, the green things were beginning to turn over and I put some more water in them and uh, tried to keep them fresh. But you know what happened? They died. You know why they died? Because they're corruptible. That's why they die. We cannot be saved by corruptible things. I had a um, gift about eight, ten years ago, my wife gave me for Christmas, a beautiful, a very pretty camel-haired blazer. Loved that blazer. Man, I mean, I was so proud of that blazer, I wore it all the time until it got too warm. Then I put it up. In the fall, it began to get cool again, and I thought, hey, man, I can get my camel-haired blazer back out again, and I did. But you know what had happened to my camel-haired blazer? Moths had gotten eaten holes in the shoulder of my beautiful camel hair blazer. Dear friend of mine uh, had a yacht, and he read a book. Uh, I don't know what the name of that book was, but in the book, somebody had killed a shark with a 30-30 rifle from the deck of their yacht. So he went out and bought him a 30-30 rifle. He wanted to carry that in his yacht. He put it in his sleeve and he hid it up under there. And he forgot about it. About five years later, he found it again. And he took it out of that sleeve. And not only had it rusted, it had pitted. And he brought it to me and asked me if I could do something with it. I had a little uh, gun business at the time. And he wanted me if I could do anything with it. And I said, not much, Billy. But I'll try. I did what I could, and uh, there's no way to do it. Why? Because it rusted. Corruptible things. Folks, he says we're not saved by corruptible things. Now look what he also said. Silver and gold. Silver and gold. Money. What about money? Can money save you? I don't think so. 
Peter and John were walking into the temple, and uh, they were met there by a crippled man begging for money. You can imagine the picture. Here they come. There's the temple doors, and they're coming. There's this man sitting there. He's crippled, hadn't walked in all of his life, and, and he's sitting there, got a little basket, and his hands around. He's going, alms, 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 give me some money. Peter looked at him. He said, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. Guess what happened? Guess what happened? He got up on his feet and he walked, but he said, the Bible says he went away doing what? Praising God. Why? Because he got saved. The Lord touched his life. Not by silver and gold. Not by alms. Not by any of those things that he be saved. Here's how Paul put it in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats can take away your sins. Nothing can save you. For years and years and years, the Jewish people on the Day of Atonement had been showing up and they were bringing their little, little animals, maybe a little, little lamb or, or maybe a dove or, or some other little animal they were bringing. And it, it shed its blood. It shed the blood. And, and you know what? They, they were doing that at the temple. The, the, the high priest would take the blood. He, he'd go high behind the curtain into the Holy of Holies and he'd take the blood and he'd sprinkle it on the altar and on the mercy seat. And you know what that did? It covered their sins. Covered their sins for one year. See, next year they had to come back with more animals and more birds and more things and do the same thing. Shed blood. Back behind the curtains. Sprinkle the mercy seat. And they're forgiven. For one year their sins are covered for a year. But Jesus came on the scene. He shed his blood, not to cover your sins, but to remove them, to wash them away, to take them and make them gone forevermore. Billy Graham once again said this, Once for all, God made complete and perfect provision for the cure of man's sins. Without the blood, it is indeed a fatal disease. A fatal disease. Sin kills. I heard a statement the other day someone made, a, maybe at a pastor's conference. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you're willing to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. Sin will drag you down. Sin is a fatal disease. You remember? You remember in a garden? You remember the serpent? Oh, you won't surely die if you eat that fruit. You won't surely die. But what did God say? God said, yes, you will. Yes, you will die. Sin is a fatal disease. I began to look this message out. I thought, my goodness gracious, think about it again. What can't save me, okay? Church membership can't save me. You could join every church in Lauderdale County and not get saved. You can join all the churches you want. You won't get saved by joining the church. Baptism can't save you. I read about oh, one preacher said he had a stream out behind his little church back in the 30s and 40s. That's where they would baptize. So they baptized this one lady so many times in that stream that the tadpoles knew her first name. <laughs> Baptism can't save you. 
Folks, let me explain something to you. I love to share my faith. By the way, we sang that song, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. If you don't know that story, I will tell it to you anytime right now, today, at the end of the service. Meet me up here. I will tell you the story of Jesus. I will tell you how you can know you're going to go to heaven. I will show you in the Word of God how you can know you're going to go to heaven. The blood of Jesus Christ. Church membership. Baptism. A good life. A good life. You know, <clears throat> living a good life is great. There's a lot of good moral people out there. And they're very religious. But they're religious and lost. They're religious and lost. Religion can't save you. Hey, what say, preacher? And I've had this happen. Talk to Sir, have you born again? Oh, he said to me, well, yeah, I was born in a Christian home. Hello? You were born in a Christian home, huh? You know what? God doesn't have grandchildren. He's only got children. If you were born in a garage, it doesn't make you a car. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, there's nothing that you can do by man alone that can get you saved. Nothing that you can do. John the Baptist was baptizing in the River Jordan, standing probably about waist deep. Pharisees and scribes coming, standing there. Want to know about being baptized? He said, show me some fruits for repentance and you can be baptized. So he said, he, John's purpose was to baptize for the remission of sin when you show fruits for repentance. But one day he was baptizing and he looked and he looked well, coming down the trail there, look, look there. My wife and I had the privilege of being in the Holy Land back in 86, I think it was. I baptized my wife in the Jordan. One of the other preachers on the trip baptized me in the Jordan. We were saved people who just wanted to associate with Jesus, you know. But John looks, and coming down the trail, he sees Jesus. And what does he do? He says, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Isaiah tells us he was as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He was slain. Here he comes. The Lamb of God coming down the trail, coming down there, and he wants to be baptized. You ever wondered about that? If John is baptizing for the remission of sins, and Jesus wants to be baptized, was he a sinner? Did Jesus commit a sin? Absolutely not. Jesus never sinned. John, he said, baptize me. John said, oh, I can't. No, I said, I need to be baptized of you. And he said, no, you will be someday, but no, baptize me. And he said, suffer it to be so. And John baptized Jesus under the water and out of the water. And the Bible says, and a voice from heaven spoke, and a dove descended and lit upon him. And that voice said, Behold my son, and who I am well pleased. <clears throat> Jesus came out of that water. The Holy Spirit came on him. And that day, that day, his ministry began. That day, Jesus went about his ministry in full force for the rest of his days on this earth. He was going about doing good. I love that verse of Scripture. It says he went about doing good. That's what he did. 
While Jesus was on the earth, he went about doing good. Isaiah wrote it like this. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb for the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. I want you to let your mind go for a minute. Take the picture. Here he is on the cross. And there's, there's the hecklers. Hey, if you're the son of God, come down at the cross. Hey, you saved others. Can't you save yourself? Let me snatch some of your beard out. Like he's not only bloody enough with the thorns piercing into his brow, the blood streaming down his arms, through the nails driven into his hands, his feet are bloody, his back is torn to shreds by the scourge that he's had before the crucifixion. Come down, come down. And he could have. He could have called ten legions of angels to set him free, but he didn't. He stayed up there. He stayed on that cross and he looked down 2,000 plus years and guess who he saw? Me. He saw me. He saw me. And you know what he said? Mike, this is for you. I'm on this cross for you. I'm dying for you. And had I been the only person that needed him to do that, had I been the only sinner on planet Earth, he would have done it anyway. You see, he's my Lord. He's my Savior. He died for me. Now, can you make that statement? Can you honestly say he died for me? And had I been the only one who needed him, he would have still done it. That's a personal, intimate relationship that God wants to have with you through his son, Jesus Christ. Here's what Jesus said himself. This is my blood of my New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. If you have your Bible, flip over to John chapter 6 for just a minute. In John chapter 6, look at verse number 56. Jesus said, He that eateth my flesh and drinks my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. This is my blood, he said, which is shed for the remission of your sins. Right across the front of this table, you see it there, it says, this do in remembrance of me. Remembrance of me. We remember Jesus when we partake of the supper, which he ordained for us to do so we could remember him, remember what he had done, remember what he's doing now, remember what he's going to do in the future. He's coming back. Folks, get ready because he's coming back. The rapture is a word that's banded around. It doesn't actually appear in the New Testament. It calls the catching up, the calling up. But Jesus is coming back. He's going to redeem his church. He's coming back for his bride. He loves you. He loves me. He, he, wants to, he wants us to spend eternity with him, and he's going to come back. And, and you know what? If he came right now, 
Those tombs out there, they can't hold them, Christian people. Uh Uh-uh. They're coming up. They're coming up. The dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are remain under the coming of the Lord shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. Wherefore shall we ever be with the Lord? Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.13. He died, spilled his blood for you. Paul said to the church at Rome, much more than being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Saved from wrath. We're not going to have to go through that horrible seven years of tribulation on this earth. We'll be saved from wrath because he was willing to shed his blood. To Hebrews he wrote this. How much more then shall the blood of Christ, through the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? By his blood. It was his blood. Folks, it was a precious blood that was spilled. I don't know about you, sometimes it breaks my heart when I think what he did, and I didn't deserve it. But he did it for me. John writes, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us cleanses us. Can you imagine? I found a verse of scripture one time and I just happened on it. I was a baby Christian and uh, I feel sometimes I still am. I was saved on May 9th, 1965. Called to preach eight years later. But I, I remember finding this verse of scripture. 1 John 1, nine. John and 1 John you know, he, he already written the gospel, but he writes 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John in the book of the Revelation. But in 1 John 1, 9, it's called John's general epistle. Why? Because it's not addressed to anybody in particular, but to Christian people like you, like me. It was addressed to us. 1 John 1, 9 says this, If we'll confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and, watch this, cleanse us from all Unrighteousness. How does he do that? With his blood. It's with his blood. He cleanses with his blood. He shed his blood. Folks, it's his precious blood, Peter tells us, that we are saved. It's by his precious blood that he spilled. In the book of the Revelation, in verse chapter, chapter 1, verse 5, unto him that loved us and washed us in his own blood. All through the scripture. No wonder Billy Graham could go through and find all these 460 verses and these wonderful verses where Jesus talked about his own blood and can be written about by, by all these wonderful writers like Paul and Peter and, and writing about the blood of Jesus Christ and, and, and washes in his own blood. In the book of the Revelation, again in chapter 7, verse 14, it says this, And he said unto me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, wait a minute. Can you see the picture? Can you grasp it? What's going on in this verse? Well, John has been raptured up into heaven. He's in heaven. He's got this wonderful experience. He's somehow there. And, and, and he's up in heaven, and he sees these people 
all in white robes and, and from every nation and kindred and tongue and tribe. And, and, and he says to this angel, he says, who, who are they? And the angel said, oh, these? Well, I'll tell you who they are. He said, they're the ones that came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. I don't know about you, but I thought if you put something white into something red, it doesn't come out white. It comes out red, but not in this case. See, through God, all things are possible. He washed us with his own blood, cleansed us with his own blood, shed his own blood for us. And we, we rack our brain. Well, what did I do to deserve that? Nothing. I'm going to go to heaven and I don't deserve it. I'm going, to, I'm going to go to heaven and I didn't earn it. I didn't go to heaven and I'm not paying for it. Somebody talked about being saved by works. And I said, yeah, yeah, we are saved by works. But Jesus did them all. He did them all. He did all that needed to be done. He took care of it for us. He covered all the bases. That's plan A. Jesus, what's plan B? Plan B is C, plan A. There is no plan B. Jesus said, I am the way, the only way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. I'm the only way. I'll tell you, my wife and I were driving to, uh, to uh, Huntsville for one of her doctor's appointments. Had the radio on, listening, and we heard this report. And, and we looked at each other in amazement because we're hearing this People called the new conservatives who were explaining that, oh, there's more than one way to get saved. Oh, there's more than one denomination. If you can be a Muslim and go to heaven, you can, you can be a Buddhist and go to heaven. You can, and I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. You are conservative Christians? Come on. There's no other way. Jesus made his perfect. Did Jesus lie? Is he a lunatic? Is he a crazy man? Or is he Lord of all? He's one of the three, a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. And folks, I don't know about you, but he is my Lord. The Bible makes it quite clear that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, confess with thy mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart... Man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And then in verse 13, it says, And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Doesn't say he might be or hope to be. He will be. By doing what? Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. Confess Jesus is Lord. A lot of people say to me, Well, I've made Jesus my Savior, but he's, I haven't made him my Lord yet. I said, hello, can you please give me a book, chapter, and text on where you found that? Where that's a possibility? I preached that text one time and a man came to me after church. You're preaching lordship salvation? I said, I'm preaching the Bible. I'm telling you what God said in his word. If we'll confess with our mouth, Jesus says, Lord, he's Lord. Folks, let me tell you something. I go on the top of the mountain. I'll go in the city hall steps. I'll go anywhere, and I'll confess with my mouth, 
Jesus, your Lord. You're my Lord. I don't, you may not be anybody else's Lord, but you're my Lord. You confess with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Doesn't say you might be or hope to be, you will be saved. John is exiled on the Isle of Patmos. You can read the Revelation. It's a wonderful book, by the way. Read the Revelation. Don't be afraid of it. It's a wonderful book. Read the Revelation. John is exiled in the Isle of Patmos. He's been ushered up into heaven, and he's seen all these wonderful sights. And, and he gets up and he sees this angels, angels, flying around, flying everywhere. Guess what? Here's what John said. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. I got a calculator out, and I put in 10,000 times 10,000. My calculator wouldn't give me the number. The total is too high. I don't know how much 10,000 times 10,000 is. It's a whole bunch of zeros. I know that after a one with a whole bunch of zeros, I know that. But watch this. John sees these angels flying everywhere through the heavens. 10,000 times, 10,000 of the angels. And, and what are these 10,000 times 10,000 angels doing? What are they doing? Well, they're flying through the heaven and saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Angels are created beings. Unlike us. They don't have a soul. They don't have a soul. Jesus didn't have to go to the cross for the angels. They're created beings. God created them. But yet, they know who he is. You know, I, uh, Hal, I'm guilty of loving the old hymns. I'm guilty. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Know the fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Folks, I'm going to ask you, honestly, I asked you earlier, Ryan, do you know that you know that you know? I, I love sharing Jesus. I, I mean that. If you're doubting, if you're thinking, maybe I'm not, if there's any reason in your heart or mind, you're not positive, that you don't know that if he came back right now to rapture the church, if you don't know, you'd go. Then I'm going to invite you to come down here in just a minute. We'll sit down here, I'll take the scripture, and we'll go over it and get it settled. Don't walk out those doors into a cruel, evil world in an unsaved condition. It's too dangerous out there if you don't have Jesus Christ in your life. Let's stand and pray. Our Father, just before we offer this time of invitation,